Welcome to Reaganomics with Blaze Reagan, a show focused on practical business talk and common sense politics. Today I'm in Rome, Italy, and my guest is Elisa Grazzini. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Thank you. So, um, I already said what your name is, but uh, where are you from? I'm from Rome. From Rome. And uh, we're here in, I was going to attempt to say the bar. I'm going to attempt to say it, and then, and then you correct Let me. Let me hear. I would say it's Mace Siete uh, Venuto Afa. Nearly. It's oh. Mace Siete Venuti Afa. Mace, okay. So in, the, in Spanish, the C-H is Che, whereas um, in Italian it's Ca. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like okay. But the rest was correct? The rest was correct. All right. And we're in the... Trastevere area? Trastevere, yeah. It means trans Tiber on the other oh. side of the river from the town center of Rome. Still town center, but on the other side. It's very picturesque. There's a lot of vines growing on the streets, and it's a very, like, walkable tourist fairy tale kind of area. It's very beautiful. I agree. Yeah. Now, is that part of the reason why you guys have the bar in this area, or it's just, it was a great area? Mm, or definitely. Home? Like, in all, in all time, this was with a very uh, laid down area of the town mm. and it became more and more touristy uh, in the years mm. but it was one of the places that still held a, an identity until the end of yeah maybe until 2010 or something like that yeah. then there is still a lot less people that lives in this area mm. because it's mainly for hotels and Airbnbs and things like that, mm -hmm. but Romans are still very attached to this place, to this yeah. area of Rome. So, in a way, still have have an identity, and uh, our locals are all people from Trastevere that still feel that connection to the area. Do you still live in the area, or no? I don't? Okay. I actually was from the other side of the river. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and actually, I walked down the river coming here. So, and uh, which river is that for those that are listening? Uh, is Tevere or Tiber? Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, you said the character of this area kind of changed around 2010. You guys opened in yeah, 2001. Yeah, probably I was, uh, I was a bit optimistic in that answer. Let's say <laughs> that the major change in Rome was around the end of the 1980s. Oh, okay. And um, that's when the center of Rome started to lose uh, that feeling of being really Rome. Yeah. and became a richer area of town mm -hmm. and lost a lot of its identity. There is still a few places in town center on both sides of the river that still mm -hmm. is there and talks about how Rome used to be, but there are really few. It's kind of the same way as Venice. Uh, there's like no one that actually lives on the, the island of Venice, right? Yeah. It's true. all pretty much tourists and, and hotels now. What, um, anything in particular that caused kind of the everyone to move out just because it's becoming such a touristy or uh, other no, reasons? No, it was a change of mentality. Somehow, um, so Rome developed to be a very big town um, in the 60s. Yeah. And the rich people didn't want to live in the old parts of town anymore. They wanted to create new parts of town. Mm -hmm. So um, they started building modern apartments. And at one point, they got kind of fascinated by history again. But um, the town center apartments were really, really old. So many of them even didn't have electricity or um, comfort, normal comforts. So it was very expensive to renovate them mm. and that's when the change happened so people from the area will sell for a re really small money and go, go to live in the suburb right. so that's how it happens it so happened so you guys opened in 2001 yes and so you've been open for about 21 22 years um, how hard is it or how hard was it for you guys to open and, and kind of survive this long was it was it hard or it was a it was a passion project and you knew you had to do it and that's why you did it so the place that we have the bar in used to be a place that nobody could make it go as a business hmm. so we got it for really few money at the time and it was definitely something that nobody else made it happen before us uh, it was a bar before us it was still a pub 
uh, selling industrial beer. And instead, like when Manuele came in, he decided to start making a different type of business. So um, he decided everything on quality and everything on the quality of service too. So um, it was beer was something very new in Italy at the time. So we had Peroni, we had things like that. We had, of course, very strong beers that people like to be uh, wasted on. <laughs> but are those the stouts or those uh, are, are IPAs or what? Oh, no, IPAs no. weren't there yet. Okay, okay. That was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. No, they started with, so Manuel started mainly with uh, European beers. Okay. So Belgium and um, Germany. So he oh, will like drive. and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, kind of. Not, the not wheat completely. Beers. No, wheat yes. beers okay. are not for passionate beer no? lovers. Okay. No, <laughs> wheat beers are for people that don't like beer usually. Wow. So what's the type of beer that's for the, for the passionate beer lover? Yeah, let's say, okay, at one point definitely like our training business became IPAs. Um, it was something that was shocking the palate of people. Mm-hmm. So it really made a difference somehow to what they were used to drink and what we served. You know, when you s- serve a really good IPA that is fresh, mm. well done, is something that most of people have never tasted. Yeah. But we actually started with working Cantillon and sour beers as well from a really old time when nobody knew Cantillon yet. And Cantillon was even a, like a small brewery that didn't have much business anymore because people in Belgium didn't used to drink that stuff anymore. Mm. Uh, and then in time, our main work became lagers again. Okay. Um, so because people actually got fed up with drinking beers that oh, not all the people, just our regulars. Right, right. Um, they will really start loving to go back to a lager. They got tired of the IPAs and the sours? Yeah, yes, they did. Yeah. I feel like with IPAs, it's like you take a drink and it's punching you in the back of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to be assaulted by my beer, but to each their own. I'm not a huge fan of sours or IPAs. I do prefer the lagers, the stouts, the blondes. Um, yeah. Um, Pilsners, heaven by the wheat beers. Oh, I'm a huge fan of the, of the wheat beers. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what? Um, so you set up bar. Well, this is a very interesting point. So you said that there was a bar here before, mm-hmm. and then he came in and created a bar here that's mm-hmm. obviously done much better. It survived for 21, 22 years almost. Um, you mentioned that he focused on kind of craft beer, but anything else that set him apart from the previous bar that that's why he survived so long and done so well. I think mainly he decided to treat beer as he loved it. Mm. So um, exactly the service of the beer, something actually that is very different from the American style of serving beer. We have tradition, uh, traditional serving, for example, the way we serve our Keller beers. Um, we kind of um, decide to take some of the CO2 away from it mm. um, because that's how it would be traditionally served from the Kellers itself in Germany. Or, for example, when it's a Belgian beer or an IPA that has definitely more taste, so we decide to serve it in a way where there is a bit more CO2, so it helps the palate to mm. somehow lift up all the taste that those beer gives. And you can do that on your um, CO2 lines here? You can adjust each? No, each it's yeah. how you, you hold the glass and you pull it up or down. It depends from the style uh, or okay. the type of glass you use. So mm. everything that was around beer he tried to do absolutely his best about it Mm. so for example if you serve a calendar beer it's usually served in three times it's Mm -hmm. mean people has to wait the time but they have to understand that the waiting time it's something that's worth waiting for so it was definitely a different style people will say he was the kind of artist of the beer like that's a good reputation to have yeah Yeah. so do people um, you said it gets a little flatter. You take some of the CO2 out. Do people think, oh, this is a flat beer? Or they understand or it's explained to them, but no, it's supposed to be a little flatter. Mm, I think like at that point, you don't need to explain it. it the, the taste speaks for itself. Okay. If you need the multi-part of the beer to come out, mm. then it needs less CO2 or the multi-part get lost in it. Okay. So... I'm going to jump ahead. I wrote out some questions, but I'm going to jump ahead to how do you guys get feedback? And I've asked a lot of guests this, and so I'm always fascinated. At the brewery, we would um, 
we would ask you know customers what do you think of this beer and generally if i asked a customer hey what do you think of this beer they would say oh it's good or they'd give me a thumbs up you know just the generic reply Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't want to say anything negative to me even though i really wanted you know good feedback but i found that if i asked them um if we submitted this beer to a national competition, what would you change about it? What would you suggest we change about it so that we can win gold? And then by asking it that way, it brought them onto our side, and they were more likely to give me real honest feedback of, ooh, it's too hoppy, or it's too flat, or it's, it's wrong color, or it smells weird, or whatever it is. And it was great feedback that I could entice out of them. Uh, some people do it through apps. Some people, you know comb through Yelp or the reviews or put paper out on tables and ask, you know, what's your feedback? How do you guys um, get feed honest feedback? Okay, so I must say that part of our job, we don't make beer, we choose beer. Right. So part of our job is to actually choose the breweries and the brewers we really like. Mm-hmm. So the beers we really like. That makes it easier somehow. So after that, so we always know actually the brewers we sell the beers of. Uh, we have a personal connection to the brewery all the time mm-hmm. and uh, after that of course um, we don't like to have beers that we don't like on top that's very much like it so it doesn't happen often it happens of course I don't like blanche beers so of course like I can recognize if that taste is correct or not but right. I don't drink it myself but I suppose the service goes a lot along understanding which type of beer the person in front of us will really like to drink Mm -hmm. and try to understand what really will make him go happy about it. So it happens a few times that we have beers we don't like Mm -hmm. and uh, it's not easy for us to sell them, I must admit. Um, Not for me at all, actually. Uh, But yeah, luckily enough, not all pallets are so... So, for example, what's a hard beer that uh, that's hard to sell that you find hard to sell? Like people, you're trying to sell like a sour, people don't like it, or what's a, any particular? Oh no, we type? will never sell a sour to a person that don't like it. Okay. Uh, mainly because it's a very precious product, right? And um, it's definitely a beer that needs somebody somebody that appreciates it in front Mm. and uh, if we understand that people have never tried it before we always give them a little taste of it that's smart and uh, if they like it then they get the full glass if they don't like it they get that taste for free and they choose another beer afterwards and they're still happy yeah 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 Yeah. okay so it's mainly just through you get the feedback through conversation mainly with with patrons exactly yeah Yeah. and and you find that they're honest enough with you they'll they'll give you oh man they'll give you the honest feedback of man i don't like this beer they'll tell you that or will they be nice and say oh it's it's nice and then go tell their friends man that was a bad beer will they be honest to your face about it um i hope so i'm very honest sometimes too much if i don't like something in a beer i tell it in front right like okay you chose that one you chose that one i'm not completely in love with it try it first and see if you like it right so that's how okay but actually this place it's a bit special because it's very small so um, there is often a really nice mm, a really nice atmosphere when you walk in here even if it's people that just came in here for the first time you will see especially in the mornings where we don't have our regulars Mm -hmm. we have actually lots of american in the mornings like uh, people will start talking to each other with a really in a really friendly way. Uh-huh. Usually starts from, for example, me. So the first customers work that walks in, I kind of get an interest in the person. That's normal. Like you know, first person that walks in, right. like who is that person? Why is he here? What does he like to drink? But who is he? Why is he here in, here in Italy? So somehow something starts to flow, and then the atmosphere gets created, and everybody else gets somehow in that atmosphere too and then you will see everybody speaking with each other talking about beer or talking about their life talking about their trip so um, it's a place where people feels like to open up somehow i think it's part of the passion we transmit in what we do that also go beyond the business and somehow in the atmosphere we create it's almost a a lifestyle kind of here here within I suppose so. I don't know. Like it just—it's um, a place that has a soul. 
That's good. It is, it is, and for those just listening and not watching, I mean, it is, as soon as I walked in, like, you feel it's very, it's small, but in, like, a homey kind yeah, of exactly. way. It's not, like, a claustrophobic way, It's just, and it's got a kind of, a, obviously, an old world feel to it that um, Americans aren't used to, but we see in the movies or, you know, yeah. on stages and whatnot, and so it does have a very... Um, almost fairy tale-ish kind of feel to it. So it does make you very laid back and, oh, I could enjoy one, two, three beers very comfortably and just sit and chat. So it's a good ambience. Yeah, I suppose yeah. the walls are from the 1600, 1500. Oh, wow. Actually, the, the, um, the building in front is one of the oldest of Trastevere and it's one of the few from the Middle Age, so 1200, 1300. Wow. So yeah, it's definitely old walls. <laughs> Got a little character. Okay. And yeah. the ceilings, too, are kind of a nice wood uh, beam stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, we could look prettier, but we look as, like, we look like this. Very <laughs> it simple. Looks, it looks good. I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, so, how do you um, attract customers? Now, you guys are established enough that it may not be an issue. You may have to think back to, like, when you first opened, but... Um, I would assume that coming out of the pandemic, you had to kind of rethink marketing a little bit too to, to bring in mm, Not people. really, no. Okay. So we are lucky. So we are a lonely planet. Mm. Actually, uh, even on uh, airplane um, magazines, oh I found yeah. uh, like writings about us, articles wow. about us. And... Um, just people leaving reviews or writing articles or you guys are no no we never get asked about like uh, so um, those type of company don't ask for the um, for like can you we write about you or uh, do, would you like to be uh, in our article and you get some money back about it we don't need that gotcha that's got that's good because those type of company don't want that right. okay happens for us every now and then then somebody calls and say hey like would you like to stay in our magazine or things like that but so I suppose we have worked for so long that we don't like to spend money on that stuff. We like to spend money on other things. Okay. So we spend money, for example, on business trips where like all the, like the, the people from the bar get um, a beer travel around so they get more passionate about mm. what they do. So okay. that's how we like to, and we spend too much money on that probably. Like, <laughs> especially because Manuele, He's very good at making money, but never organized. So uh, I suppose so. Next week they're traveling to Copenhagen for four days, and he booked the tickets two days uh, ago. Nice. Just nice. forget it. Really cheap. <laughs> nice. <laughs> at least they're going. Though. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's they're going. The no, wow. so he always wow. spends like three times the amount that is possible to spend in not organize them in front. But he just gets sidetracked with other things, or he just likes to wait to the last minute to do it. That's his uh, personality. That's his, style. Yeah. Uh, his personality. Is yeah, it's like that. So, um, but it works. Yeah. It works because somehow it's like if he doesn't care about making this business shine, but somehow the choices he makes always goes on that direction. So what are they doing in Copenhagen? Is that just beer tastings? Beer tasting yeah. and then going to um, uh, Sweden oh. and uh, going to a festival that is called Bruskival from a brewery called Bruski. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, having to taste beers from other breweries that and see if horrible. there is something. Oh, it's rough. actually very hard. <laughs> I don't like to go on these type of business trips anymore because I don't drink as much anymore as I used to do when I was younger. What's so hard about it? Just because you have to drink so much? You have definitely to drink a lot. It's something uh. to do with when you meet a brewer. Like, you know, you have somehow to, okay, maybe you know something about it. And somehow you have to taste everything that it's put on the table yeah. and um, the atmosphere gets really joyful and at the end uh, maybe a bit too tipsy <laughs> but it's fun it's really lots of fun yeah hmm. yeah I we didn't I don't think we did any festivals for the brewery uh, but I would like to it is rough though having a brewery or a, you know a bar where you're drinking a lot of going to these festivals on the waistline I found that <laughs> ooh, when, when there's free beer on the line it, uh, it adds to the yeah. waistline yeah definitely uh, so, any other marketing things, though, or it's just you guys are built up now where you have great reviews on you know, Google and, and the sites that you don't really have to. Do you have to do uh, paid advertising on Instagram or TikTok or, or those kind no, of stuff? Or no, never paid advertisement. Um, so, Manuele um, is definitely very present on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. Um, so, 
you always have to be kind of in view of people too. Yeah. And then we make some festivals that are really important. So oh one God. of the main Italian festival is called Europe that we organize every year. That's a very big thing to do, of course. Huh. Um, that gives us lots of visibility. Okay. And uh, we make another really important festival for us, especially that is the Frankenbeer Fest. So where we sell only lagers from um, so from this area of Germany called Franken. Uh -huh. um, definitely a that different type of festival. Walking inside a festival, where actually you don't have the choice on which style to drink, but you only have the 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 curiosity to taste all small different village breweries, something very different. Uh -huh. But it's still one of our best festivals. So. Wow. Yeah. That's great that that's really all you have to do as far as marketing-wise is attend festivals and kind of be present on the social media. And make media. festivals too. Yeah, make and make them. Oh, so you guys actually... Yeah, we organize make them. It. Yeah, oh, we organize wow. two of the this, these two festivals I talked about. That's something we organize. Uh, and where is it physically held, those festivals? In Rome. So okay. Europe, we, we make it in an um, area of Rome called Eur. Okay. Um, in a very big place called the Salone dei Congressi. Uh, that's usually like until before the pandemic, we used to also get uh, breweries from US to fly down. So we would make uh, our own delivery of beers, uh, mm, flight delivery to get the beers as fresh as we could. Nice. This year, we are not going to do that because it's too, too expensive and yeah. we're still recovering from the pandemic. Yeah. So we managed to stay open thanks to the fact that we, were very f we are very famous and thanks to the fact we have many regulars. Mm -hmm. But still, of course, we're not as rich as we used to be before. Yeah. So spending maybe just 60,000 euros just on the delivery, it's out of, yeah. it's not possible right now. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah, yeah maybe hmm. next year. How bad was it? So in, in the US and Texas, uh, what would it be? Summer of 2020, all the breweries, all the bars were shut down 100%. Did Italy, and we, we always read about Italy um, in the news, uh, just how bad it was over here, but did bars and, and yes. restaurants, everything get shut down 100% like yes. in, in the U.S. for a yes. time? Yeah. yeah, we did. We did. <coughs> we didn't get much refund. It yeah. was very small, the refund we got. Um, we actually have a really high rent to pay for the bar because it's not our walls. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was nothing to do about it if not paying the rent because the state couldn't go in in a private um, mm. uh, contract right. so yeah it was definitely a very hard period so uh, what we did organize was delivery service mm. and we had uh, really lots of locals that kind of supported us and decided yes. to buy our beers also if we're com so we stayed awesome. completely closed for one month and then after mm. one month we opened for the delivery okay. delivery only so the place was closed down we will fill up growlers and then right. bring them around to to their doors yeah to to the doors of yeah. people that ask for it do you guys still do that now or are you no, able no, to stop it we okay. decided to stop it straight away okay. it was definitely economically it was and we of course we we tried to give a good price mm -hmm. so economically it wasn't very uh, satisfying but yeah. it was still made some money go yeah. like every little bit helps yeah exactly yeah. especially in that period was there anything and i've asked guests this uh, several times but was there anything that the pandemic forced you to do more efficiently or better that you still do now so some have been like okay yeah we shifted to deliveries mm -hmm. and we still do that or we shifted more to um, you know this type of product selling this type of product anything come to mind and it may be no but sometimes uh, you know in a crisis it'll force a business to start doing things a little differently and they keep doing it even after anything come to mind that you guys still do not really no okay. we're still waiting for um, like mm, definitely it used to be more crowded inside mm. than it is now that's still yeah. like more spaceful inside we don't get too many people inside the bars anymore right. uh, but um, no we didn't we didn't have anything that stayed Europe. with us right. that we have the tables outside that we didn't have before the pandemic okay 
uh, that was because uh, the Rome, the, the city of Rome, gave the permission to people to have tables outside, and we really, really hope we're gonna keep those. But yeah. we're not sure about it. It become it. It doesn't depend on us. Hmm. For us, we would like to keep them, but it depends on the city law. If was that citywide, you couldn't have tables outside. Yeah, it was oh very wow. difficult in Rome to get tables mm. outside restaurants and bars mm -hmm. so really really few places had them and uh, mm -hmm. with the pandemic it was allowed for everybody to have it oh that's good um okay. but they're thinking about taking them away again mm. and we hope they're not going to because yeah. we actually like them yeah. it creates a well usually like with also before pandemic we will have a really big crowd of people standing outside mm but the tables are cozy, so we would like to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ad adds to your capacity, and it's just a nice nice look, too. But that's mm -hmm. surprising that they didn't have tables outside mm -hmm. before. Um, in Texas, they the pandemic, they loosened the laws. Previously, you couldn't take alcohol out of a, a brewery or a bar. Like, if I walked outside with this beer, that would be illegal. Oh, okay. Um, or if I went to a restaurant and bought a beer, I couldn't walk to another place with the beer. And so during the pandemic, they said to-go beer is okay. To-go to alcohol is okay. And so that's still legal, and they made it official. So oh, similar good. to the tables outside, maybe they'll make it, you know, official long term. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm just scrolling down to some of the questions here. Um, so is the brewery scene in Italy expanding, you think? Is it, it like local craft beer? Is yeah. it taking, taking hold here? I think it was expanding into a few years ago. Mm. Now it's a bit quieter. Because of the pandemic? Not only. Um, it definitely changed a lot in the years. So it, in, the p in the first period of Italian craft beer, it was only based on passion. Mm. It wasn't cool in any way. Right. Like it will be like my first brewer friends will be people that maybe had a work in a bank and then decided to give up that work and go and open up a brewery with their best friend, for example. Think stories like this. Right. And um, so with lots of courage and uh, lots, lots of passion, then somehow craft beer became cool. And uh, people started to open up brewery because it was a cool job. It was something they really liked to do, of course, still passionate. Right. But somehow they weren't the first warriors that went inside the business. When was this year-wise? Was this um, like 10 years ago? Or, or I would say so. What I'm talking about, uh, like the first warriors of right. craft beers, will be around uh, maybe 2018 years ago. Okay. Like okay, yeah. um, and um, until 10 years ago. Okay, yeah. So that was still like the first ones. Right. Uh, then, since then, so let's say in the last 10 years, uh, well maybe five years, it started to become cool. Mm -hmm. And now it's somehow like everything that is cool for a period, it starts to be less cool afterwards. So, um, yeah, like we, I will say we're in a period of um, that things are not moving too much, okay. more, more stable. Do you guys carry any local craft brewery beer here? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. We love to work with local craft breweries, especially IPAs. We okay. really like the IPAs. From I won't hold that against you. <laughs> from the local beer, it's okay. No, no, <laughs> we really... But it's because it's... Um, okay, of course, it's the product that needs to be fresher. Actually, in our area, so Rome, thanks also to this place, I must say, it was actually the main selling point of craft beer. Uh, of all e of Italy, so until a few years ago, 30% of all the national production was sold actually in Rome. Okay. So we uh. were one of the f we were the first bar, and many bars opened like us, like somehow emulating a bit our job or doing uh. their own, but still like. Yeah. Um, mm. Then um, now it's a bit different. Craft beer is more famous everywhere. Right. I would say America is very saturated. There's a brewery on every block kind yeah, of I almost but it's I think it's peaked a little bit we'll see what the next year or two holds but it, there's definitely a ton of breweries but it, I, I was curious just because in Italy you have the wine industry which is huge here and and Italians seem to really love their wine and then you have the light beer uh, like a Peroni or um, 
what's another kind of light beer? Nastrazzurro, Moretti, we have many. Okay, those seem to be very popular, kind of like a, an early afternoon beer. Um, yeah, like yeah. definitely craft, uh, like the industrial beer uh, market tried to make products that emulated craft beer, so crafty uh. product. Um, so they will make the raw beer or the yeah. IPA that tastes terrible, but anyway, they try right. to make it. And um, they even start buying craft breweries, trying to, um, yeah. like Heineken bought one of the first craft breweries. Yeah. And um, so definitely, like, uh, there is many reasons why our job kind of became more difficult. But the main reason is actually also um, how difficult it is to work with craft beer. You have to be very professional about it. Mm -hmm. You need to have a really good connection with breweries. It's not only about uh, buying the beer. Mm -hmm. You have to do it in a way where... Um, you have to rec you have to know your product you have to recognize if there is a problem with it yeah. you have to be able to speak and say okay this product is not good we're not selling it right uh, because there is this this and this and uh, somehow it's for keeping this world very very good mm. it's a part of the job that has to be done and many people that open up craft bars in the time don't have the same knowledge about beer so sometimes we got people around saying, oh no, do you sell craft beer? I don't want craft beer. Mm -hmm. Like, can you give me something normal? But it wasn't normal. Then maybe you will let them taste an IPA or a Belgian strong ale or a Belgian ale. So people that really didn't have the problem with the taste of a different beer, mm -hmm. but had the problem with the bad quality of beer that had tasted, they, right. they have tasted before. Do you think those kind of bad uh, craft breweries have been weeded out at this point or? or n still still kind of going through those um, early troubles? I wouldn't say for sure that it, it's the bad craft brewery that mm. is the problem. Okay, there is also bad craft breweries, that's for sure. Right. But in craft beer, there is so many other things that are important. For example, cleaning the lines regularly. Yeah. yeah. Or um, that's very important because lines of craft beer get dirty a lot quicker. We clean the lines once a week. Yeah. Um, or for example if beer are not kept well so it's more like easy that it can go bad yeah. so maybe it could be a good product that gets out of the brewery but maybe it's sold I don't know how many months afterwards or yeah in a bar that doesn't take care of the cleaning yeah well, and those, the circling back to the Hefeweizens, they drop out of solution, I think, within three, four weeks. So you really got to move fast and selling it and, and yeah. selling it out of the keg anyway. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of beer in Italy is, is the rage right now? So in America, we had the IPAs. Sours are kind of all the rage right now, but they're doing some weird sours that are all the rage right now. But uh, what's, what's kind of up and coming or the rage right now in Italy? Okay, like I must say, so Manuale is definitely a beer influencer. Mm. Um, so um, he moved many years ago his work on lagers and keller beers. Mm. And def definitely it's really fun to um, have customers that comes around and ask for a keller beer. That is because very it's, rare. it's nothing that... It's, it's like when in the first period people would come and ask for an IPA, mm. um, not knowing really what they were asking for, just because they heard it was cool yeah. to ask about it. And I got to taste it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so now there is also people randomly ask, asking for a Keller beer. Uh. Actually, it's fun. Like, so I suppose our world is very watched. So even in the supermarkets now, the big supermarkets, you will get advertising for Keller beers now. It's um, it's fun. Like you see how much uh, our work somehow have an impact, also beyond what we understand. That it's like that is pretty cool. Yeah, like our work in. But yeah. so Keller beer is definitely something we really like to work. Mm -hmm. But of course, I would say that the main beer that is still like um, the most asked beer in the craft beer world is still IPA. Well, there's no hope for some people, <laughs> but that's good. That's and good. And sessionable IPA, especially uh, those. Yeah, those are. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like, yeah, those will always yeah. be kind of in vogue just because if you can drink a lot of something, then I yeah. feel like they'll stick around. But yeah. I must say that American customers are usually not so keen on such, like, you have mm. to let them try it usually. They will, they will often go for the strongest IPA we have on tap. Yeah. And, um, but we really, I really like to work with session beers. Um, I really like the fact that they can be very tasty without being too heavy in alcohol and get, still be satisfying for the palate. Right. So, but most of Americans, I must say, we have to let them try the session IPA before they choose it and before they like to drink it. Well, I won't go down that, that route with the IPAs, but do you guys have stouts? Or is I stouts big here in, in Italy? Uh, no. They're not big, but I think we have um, usually on tap, I think the best stout ever. Which is what? It's called the Gallagher Stout. It's um, from a brewery called Hilltop. It's a really small brewery just outside Rome. Uh-huh. Uh, the guy from the brewery is half Irish and half English, but he was born and lived in Rome all his life. What's the name of the brewery? And so he makes traditional um, uh, English or Irish styles as well. Ooh. And the Gallagher Stout is, I think, the, mo- the best stout ever. I tried. I really love stouts and porter. It's one of yes. my favorite styles. Yes. You guys have that on tap right now? Yeah, I do. Well, you should try it. You we'll be drinking it. that after the show. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, I do love stouts. Yeah. And then it's very velvety. Uh, he puts some weed inside, uh, oh. seaweed. Oh, seaweed, okay. Yeah, seaweed inside, <laughs> not weed. <laughs> seaweed inside uh, from from island that has a slightly smoky taste, but we don't get the smokiness of the taste. Okay. And I think probably, I suppose, it makes the same process of an oyster stout. Somehow it gets more velvety. It's yeah. very, very, very good. Is, on that point, is weed legal in Italy? Because I've seen several signs. and No, it's it's CB- CBD. CBD, okay. Well, and it said weed, and it didn't make... I've seen it on several signs, but now that you said it, they may have meant seaweed. Which makes more <laughs> no. sense, I don't know. But I was no, like, I remember seeing signs going, It's just CBD, it okay. but they like to sell it like if it was normal weed, but it's not okay. legal yet. Okay. But this beer has CBD or it has seaweed? No, seaweed. Seaweed. Okay. Seaweed okay. from okay. Ireland, from the, from the sea of Ireland. <laughs> no judgment, no judgment. Okay, uh, let's see. Shifting off a little bit from beer because I could talk about that all night. Um, what do uh, what do Italians do better than Americans? We talked a little bit about this before the show, but what do Italians do better, in your opinion? Because it sounds like you interact with a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. I do what every do you, day. What do you think Italians do better? What could what could Americans learn? Okay, like Italians? the cool thing about it, I interact all the time with Americans on mm. holiday. Okay. So I get the probably the prettiest part of them all the time. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. But um, I suppose we're good at being more laid back. And that's something mm. that would sound really strange for an American. Because we actually don't like to work as much as you like. Uh, we like the time off really a lot. We don't, for mm. us, a person that have worked all his life without getting any vacation, we don't recognize him as a hero we recognize Uh, him as something oh my god he wasted his life like that yeah so somehow we are good at being laid back a a little bit more and enjoying it it is interesting do you so do you think the italians back in like the like 2000 years ago the romans were that laid back but then they just went and conquered the world or (laughs) italians were different back then and now they're laid back because italians have already conquered the world you're (laughs) asking me over history lesson i must say actually that um, I don't like the Roman history. Mm. So Roman history, somehow, it was the beginning of the modern age. Somehow, like their way of the mentality, they were very business-minded, definitely. They re- yeah. li- really liked to conquer everything. Yeah. And they were really clever at it. So they would destroy everything that was on their way. And uh, um, it definitely make a difference in our world, how we, we understand it now. Uh, how we live it now from like you have to imagine Europe um, it was so full of really old civilization that mm. was, weren't based on having power they were based on like the Celtic for example or the Germanic people they had like the religion connected to, connected to nature they had all their way of living that was very different and the re- Roman came around and mm. conquered everything and say hey now Right. We're going to speak a different language here. We're going to be business-minded. Right. So definitely, Rome haven't, have never been very laid back in that way. 
But now they are. Uh, sort yeah. of. Somehow, not completely. Let's say that we are not a city that's been good at moving forward. So I lived in other mm. European cities, for example, Copenhagen. That was definitely a city that looks in front, very modern. The new building looks amazing. Right. For us, if you walk around Rome, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see a modern building that looks good. Like somehow they will all look a bit out of place. Somehow right. only old look good in Rome, yet. We're not being good yeah. at managing to modernity and ancient time to let them go together. I would imagine there's a lot of pushback to trying to build a modern building when you have so much history and... and no, uh, it's not that. No? No, it's just that, like, mm, other European um, cities have been able to do it. Okay, they didn't have the history of Rome, but still they have been able to... Um, like the. I think if you understand beauty, mm. somehow it's possible to put something modern in beauty next to something old. Somehow our society is not looking for beauty so much anymore in Italy. Mm. It's very... Yeah, I would say we have a depressed society somehow. Would you, and this is from the American perspective, Americans think of Italians as very... Um, Fashionable, you know, they're very, they're very into the beauty of fashion and all that. So, mm -hmm. from like an outsider's perspective, I could see, oh well, you have the architecture. You're not going to, you know, put a modern building for whatever reason next to the forum or whatever. Oh yeah, of so course, not next to the forum. Italians have shifted to, well, we're going to be uh, um, forward-thinking in our fashion, and we're going to set the trends. So you have Milan, you have Rome as like these capital fashion, you know, centers. Yeah, Milan. Has yeah. have you? Do you think Italians have shifted? Well, we can't do the architecture anymore because no one wants us to, you know, move away from the two thousand years of, of glory. So we're going to focus more on ourselves and, and the fashion. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But. No, like I would say, like there is uh, some really good business people in fashion that have made the Italian style still look good, mm. but mm, that doesn't represent the Italian society. Okay. I want to say you. You guys do have uh, skyscrapers, though, here in Rome. We don't really think Not about it, but I really. think you have, like, a few, like three or four. Oh, no, but they're very small. Very short small. Oh. Yeah, they're very <laughs> short. Nothing compared to, to what you have. To New York. But, like, yeah, like, a part of that, I will never build, for example, a skyscraper next to the Faro Romano. Of course, mm. never. And, actually, there is a law, I think, here in Rome where things cannot be higher than the St. Peter's. I had um, I just posted about that I think yesterday and I don't know if it's true maybe you, maybe you know uh, I was told 20 years ago um, we had we did a church pilgrimage over here and uh, our guide was a priest guide and he was giving us a tour of the wedding cake uh, the, the well done um, you call it wedding cake so yeah. uh, that's not like many or Americans would never call it anyway it's uh, Militegnoto it's in Piazza Venezia yeah and he said that um, it was originally intended to be uh, taller than St. Peter's, but that it was so heavy and, and wide that it started sinking, and so they couldn't build it taller than St. Peter's, so it's just shorter than St. Peter's, and so the priest said it was divine intervention. I don't know if it was <laughs> divine intervention or, or man's folly, but uh, I had heard that, yeah, you can't you can't build taller than St. Peter's, yeah. and they tried, but, but failed. Yeah, like somehow, yeah, that piece of architecture, the wedding cake, as we call it, because it's a very Roman way to call it, like I heard actually, I heard an American tourist going by once and saying, oh, it's incredible how well kept this is instead of all the rubbish uh, uh, of the Faro Romano. Wow. Shit, yeah, that was a good thing. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, like, yeah, we're all, uh, St. Peter's is um, definitely yeah, the tallest. Mm. But like getting areas of the city where it's more modern, it could be very cool. Like in generally, all of Italy, don't have a good modern area. Uh, the way we have built things uh, since the 60s has been uh, very run down, so using worst mm. materials, making it look as horrible as it possibly could. Um, so, yeah, the, like if you look at the suburb of Rome, like that's something many tourists wouldn't look like uh, at, mm. but the suburb of Rome are horrible, really horrible. So why, so was it around the 1960s then that kind of uh, things changed a little bit? Uh, less less driven or less passionate about building or changing the, the face of, of Rome? What, what changed in the 60s through now that, 
that I think I forget the term that you used earlier, but um, that it's less forward thinking. Rome's, what what's changed that you're, you're not so, less forward thinking? No, I I don't know actually before that if we we're forward thinking. I wasn't mm. born yet anyway, but actually um, it's about making as much money as, as you can without spending uh, enough for it. Mm. So um, it's cutting down on the materials meant to be able to build quicker. Mm. Like you have to imagine that Rome was really a small town until the 60s. Uh, and then um, it started to develop really quickly. The demand of housing was incredible. Mm. So building a house as quick as they could with no regulation, right. um, using the worst of material was kind of on the business plan of all people building. Right. So. Um, most of the suburbs of Rome are really, really run down, really bad looking. Mm. Uh, social housing is horrible. Like, it will really look like something you will never think, oh, this is Italy. Like right. Italy is, in the imagination of people, where things look beautiful and pretty. And don't get me wrong, that is Italy too. Mm -hmm. But Italy has another face too. Mm. Are there steps to change that or improve that? Is there a kind of a massive, um, not reconstruction, but a massive kind of um, government push or, or whatever no. push to change that? Or no, no, our government is definitely on the, not on the line of changing anything. Like, mm. it's a lot more... Like, you have to think that people that made mo most of the money in that area era was st is still people that somehow has the power yet so right. uh, I really hope that like in the future what is the um, economy of Italy is going to base more and more on preserving Italy and its beauty mm. because definitely that's our strong point uh, we have some of the best climate and we have an amazing seaside we have an amazing mountain park we have amazing like towns so definitely if they if they were looking forward they will start making something about it that's that is it that's very interesting i mean you're exactly right at least american wise we think of, of rome and, and italy in a particular way and you don't really see the other side of it i mm -hmm. guess that's true of most european countries but well, on the flip side, though, what do what do you or what do you think Italians um, look at Americans and say? Oh, Americans do that better. Anything to anything come to music? mind? Music, music, okay. <laughs> okay, movies. <laughs> okay. Oh, we have some really Italy good movies, good and movies, we have yeah. and we have good music. Yeah. But definitely <sighs> blues. <laughs> <Blues>. <laughs> you had Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, you opened yeah. up lots of new things. Hmm. So, um, yeah, like America has always been something pushing forward, also culturally, like somehow. So that's the main thing. What do you? Th we don't have to dwell on it too much, but just the difference if if America is uh, pushing forward and looking forward, and Italy, like you're saying, is is not at this time looking forward. How could, in that one respect, how could Italy look more forward? What would need to change in order to to make that happen? They don't have to be more driven. They don't have to work harder or whatever, change their lifestyle. But what would need to change for Italy to kind of go, where we now see a future or, or there's light at the end of the tunnel? We should care more. Okay. About? The everything. Everything. Nature, our history, our um, our traditions. Like, we will never be... Like, I think if Italy went back to their proper tradition, so the quality of craft working, we, mm. we work with craft beer, of course, but I mean, craft uh, Some say works. that's the best craft of all, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, true. But crafting generally, so from leather, fashion, or whatever, mm. like pottery, whatever, if we really went back on deciding that we are so good at it, and uh, we should go back on making the most out of it, um, most of our tradition because actually the, w the problem is that we are not looking backwards with enough care right now uh, mm. we should look backwards with a lot of care and taking care of has we are so beautiful actually potentially so beautiful yeah. so that should be the thing 
So running a business, do you get a lot of support from the government? Nothing. Or nothing. Okay. So it's they kind of do their thing and businesses do their thing. And it's kind of yeah. two different worlds. We have a system of taxes that are definitely too heavy. Hmm. Like I would say that uh, one of the main reasons why business have a problem on surviving is the amount of taxes we're asked for. And it's completely out of range if you think what we get back. So mm. we pay more or less the same amount of tax that, for example, a business in Denmark will pay yeah. for, but they have a social welfare that is completely different. Yeah. So let's say that most of money that is paid on tax that get wasted, we don't know where somehow down the line. Um, of course, we have like um, free uh, healthcare that mm. you don't have in the States. That's right. something to be paid for. Right. Um, but still, we pay a lot more than that. Hmm. Um, so I suppose, yeah, definitely the tax system should be mm, definitely changed to something more normal. I'll sometimes ask um, guess this question. So if you had, an, and I use the word state legislature in, in Texas, but do you have the, what's your chamber of deputies here? Yeah. It's kind of like your Congress. Yeah. Um, if you had a member of the Chamber of Deputies sitting here, right, you know, mm -hmm. right next to me across, and they said, "Name one thing, and I'll I'll make it happen. One change, you know, law change, legislative change, and I'll make it happen." What, Actually, what would that be? It's that a thing? funny question because uh, before here, I used to work in a bar on the other side of the river. I used to be a regular here before, uh -huh. so. Uh, I've been knowing this place forever, but before I worked here, I worked on the bar on the other side of the river, and many of our customers were actually that type of person. Huh? Would you tell them you should um, be doing this? You know, it's so sad, but actually you can feel that it's people without power. So somehow mm. they are on the highest chain of power, but they don't have any. And I have had really many customers that were um, in that place. and. Right. Um, maybe my personality too I always got a really open relationship with them hmm. and I understood there was really nothing they could do their hands were tied they have to please yeah. too many constituents too many yeah, people true. Hmm. so um, unlikely I always I had that opportunity many many times okay but yeah. and but if there was one and they said you know what I'm gonna risk my whole political future I'm gonna make this one thing happen anything come to mind that you would say we could get change this. This needs to be changed. Maybe it's a local thing. Maybe oh, yeah. It's, they know. should start getting really honest up there. Really honest? Mm -hmm. Honesty will be the, the thing that will change everything <laughs> in one word. I think you could say that about any government or every government. The American Definitely. government, Texas government, the Italian government, I'm sure could all be more yeah. honest. But that's always a good s something to strive for. for yeah, sure. because you have to, I will have to talk about so many issues, but actually it all goes around one problem. Honesty is not there. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. yeah, an honest politician. I don't know if they exist. <laughs> I like the I like the thought. Let's see. Um, on the on the bar side of things, uh, what's the biggest? Won't say waste of time, but where do you lose a lot of time? Where you're like, oh man, I wish there was a more efficient way of doing this, or I'm spending so much time doing this. And it's, you know, whether it's I don't know, cleaning kegs or, or what is there a waste of, of time that you're still trying to figure out on how to be more efficient on? Anything come to mind? Oh, like, yeah. Or it could be doing the paperwork or managing mm, people or what? No, really. No. Like, mm, I must say I'm the one cleaning the lines. So mm -hmm. I definitely would like to have a more efficient system on that. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have um, a connection with water. So I have to fill up uh, a keg with water to go through the line. Oh, yeah. So that definitely is something that, but no, really, we're such a small place. We work only with beer. That's mm. why we decided to work only with beer, not to waste time on anything else that wasn't in our priority. Yeah, okay. So we don't have any food. People can bring from food from takeaways or right. from their own place, from home, um, because we actually decided to not waste time on anything that we really didn't care for. So you guys are pretty efficient at this point is what you're yes. saying. Yeah. Yes, we are. Hmm. At some point in the past, did you guys do, uh, you know, other stuff that you've weaned off of? Well, yeah, in the beginning, uh, like they will uh, try to serve some food. Okay. 
but it was like we didn't have enough space to make that happen in the quality we would have liked for. Yeah. Um, and then in the years we gave up everything that was food related, um, not even having peanuts or popcorns anymore, like yeah. because that was even a waste of time. Like because we, it was difficult. It was always the problem of getting a product that was as much quality as the one we used we we serve on tap, mm. and we didn't have space for it. Yeah. So it was just a waste of time. So now people just bring it in. Yeah, they bring yeah. it in. Hmm. Um, they like it actually. They like it to bring it in. Um, they like the feeling of home they have with bringing their their own choi- choice of food in. So did, did it hurt your bottom line eliminating food, or it actually it helped? No, it helped because we didn't yeah. care about it. Yeah. So it helped. It was like it's nothing. Maybe did we make some few money less on it? Maybe, but mm. it, w- it helped in our energy, kind of in right. what we wanted to do. Um, yeah, like not. It's usually people likes it that we have this policy. Like, uh, if uh, really few people find it weird, but for example, we don't even have soft drinks. We only have tap water. That's good. So, um, for example, if people come in and uh, maybe somebody wants a soft drink because they don't drink beer or children are in, then there is a mini market in the square. We go go oh. and get it. Oh and okay. we give them a glass to drink it in. Okay. And uh, maybe like s- most of people will find it still on a waste of business. Like why are you not selling like soda right. water if like people comes in and ask for it? Mainly we don't have space for it. Right. And um, It's not your passion. It's not our passion. Exactly. Hmm. Do you guys sell non-alcoholic beer? No. That's all the rage in no. America right now. Nothing. I don't like it. It's a, it's a waste. Nothing. Anyway. Like, mm, we don't have any craft brewers that use their time on that. Mm. We we do sell a lot of sessionable beers. So mm. we have always beers that goes also around 3.5 ABV, maybe okay. on the hand pumps, on the um, uh, cascades. Okay, yeah. There's something you don't have much in the state, but no. we have three lines of cascades, traditional mm. cascades. And the ABV is 3.5? Yeah. Oh, that is very low. 3.8, 3.5, wow. depends on the beer. Uh, and the session IPAs we sell is also going from 3.9 onwards. For okay. example, Ritual Labner Choice is a local brewery. They have a session IPA that is under 4 ABV. So That's yeah. kind of non-alcoholic. Kind of. That's close. But very tasty. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just a few more questions. Um, what app do you use the most business-wise? Or anything, even your, in your personal life, that's really like made things more streamlined or, or, or that you've gotten a lot of benefit out of? No, like uh, definitely business like it's Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. Instagram, it's a bit more new for us. Right. We used to work a lot on Facebook especially because there was more conversation on Facebook. So we, right. uh, Manuele, um, made a lot of effort on staying in Current. Facebook like yeah. and speaking to people a lot. In Instagram, it's more the impact of the picture. Yep. So it's definitely another type of work, but he's getting better at that too. Does he take the pictures for Instagram? or? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Does he have that artistic streak in it, or he just has learned how to take he the pictures? He feels like it. I okay. don't know if he has it, but he's very, <laughs> as everything he does, he's very passionate about it. So That's he thinks good. he makes some really cool pictures. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll check about. What about um, Reels and uh, TikTok? Have you guys branched no, into that, or you've stayed, no, stayed that's, away from? No, that's that's too millennial or whatever it's called. Uh, like, yeah, we're still a bit old for that. We have been gotcha. open for twenty-two years, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. All right, uh, last two or three questions. Um, favorite book? I always like to ask people that. It it's, doesn't have to be business related. It could just be this is a great book that I wish more people would read. Anything come to mind of like this is a could be a, a biography it could be a fiction could be any type of book but you would love I more read people a to lot. read okay. I read a lot so okay so actually there is a story about one of my favorite books that I there is a regular that com- came over and read it too after I told him and it became his favorite book too mm-hmm. um um, I think it's called uh, Vasily Grossman, Faith and Destiny. Faith and Destiny, okay. That's a really cool book. It was written about um, the period of the Second World War in Russia hmm. uh, on the point of view of a general of the Russian army. 
Who's that's, the author? Uh, Vasily Grossman. Oh, okay. I think that's the translation of the name of the book in English. Anyway, my favorite book ever. Oh, I read. I've always been reading a lot, especially of Russian literature. Mm. Um, very existentialist kind of, and all the classes, uh, classic uh, books of European uh, history. Mm -hmm. But I would say my favorite book ever is still the Lord, the Lord of the Rings. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Wow. It's completely different from I read. Yeah. All things that are really, really like kind of very wow. And then Lord of the Rings is still my favorite ever. The books are amazing. Did you like the movies? Yeah. Okay. What do you think about the new TV series coming out? Uh, I'm not Rings of Power. I think is what it's I called. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. But Lord of the Rings is not the the. It's Rings of Power. I think. Oh, is the Rings new of title. Power. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I based saw a on commercial Lord for it. I don't know, but the I I can still like hook myself on watching small pieces of the even of the movie on YouTube, like yeah. for example the last battle oh or yeah. the love in between, uh, <laughs> yeah, the and Gandalf. I love Gandalf. Gandalf, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fly, you fools. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Huh. I'll have to check out the Faith and Destiny by Grossman. Okay, I'll have to have to Google that, um, and then finally. For those listening who have Rome on their to-do list, uh, best restaurant in Rome, hidden gym? I would say Besides here, so this is obviously yeah, a exactly. must place. I would say to come over here mm -hmm. and uh, ask us where to go. Where to go. That's a good but way But do of it on it, the really. first day, <laughs> like not on the last day. Right. Because many times I have customers coming in. For example, yesterday there was this really cute couple of Americans and they had their last 24 hours in Rome. Mm. And my list of places to go to was so long. Like it was like, okay, like you should come over to a place that is non-touristy yeah. as the first place you get to and then ask or us or another yeah. place that is not for tourists, where should we go? But actually another thing is there is an American blogger that she's a regular here. Mm -hmm. She's called Katie Parla. Okay. And she has a really cool blog about Rome and Naples. And where to go. So I will hmm. definitely look at her. What's the list. name of her blog? Do you know? Um, I can't remember, but Katie Parla, so P-A-R-L-A, oh, it's her Parla. name. Okay. And uh, she has the coolest list of places in Rome, I think. Hmm. And she's American, but she's okay. so cool. And but she's a regular but here. But she's so cool. So wow, that's not, <laughs> that's not a normal com uh, combination. No, wow, no, no it's a very normal combination. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But it's uh, like, you know, saying to people that you should go for an American to where to go in Rome. Usually mm. it will not be the right answer if you're Roman, but this time it is. She was right on. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll have to check out the blog. All right. Check out that book and check out that blog. Okay. Um, what's, what was at the top of your list that, that the couple who came in within 24 hours of leaving? What, what was at the top of your list? Do you so remember? In the town center, I will definitely go to Osteria Grappolo d'Oro. Hmm. It's on the other side of the river, near Campo de Fiori. I really like that they have a really good house wine. That's something okay. I really appreciate in a business. And they make one of the best carbonara. Hmm. And I must say, mm, since they open, their quality always stays the same. And uh, many times there will be places opening up, especially in the town center. The problem is the town center. Like um, places will open up, stay good for a few months, and uh -huh. then they wouldn't care anymore. Right. While uh, they decided to keep their quality strong every time, and that's very rare. Hmm. What uh, What do you call the town center? Is that um, you, know, you got like Trevi Center or Trevi Fountain? You yeah. have um, oh yeah uh, oh, the now forum where if you people are listening, never go to the Trevi Fountain without bringing your own bottle of water. Don't buy anything around that area, not even a coffee. Like for me, that's not Rome. Uh, like that's just tourist. Right, right. But every area have its own name because it's a very big town center. So Trastevere, Campo dei Fiori, Piazza Navona, mm. like, and they actually called the in a way that nobody, not even the Romans, talks about them anymore. It's Rione, so Rione Parione, Rione Quello. So, but we don't use that anymore. So it's just the first town center. Like, so what area would you say still has the um, that people should visit that have like the still the character of Rome? still even now or is there is there a section 
No. It doesn't exist completely. Mm. Not the way like I can it talk was. about it from right. the past. Uh, it's mm. very beautiful anyway, and uh, very fascinating. And uh, but that type of atmosphere that used to be before right. that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but that's normal. That's globalization somehow. That's how it works. But. Um, the beauty of Rome goes beyond that. Like, I am from Rome, so I grew up here all my life, and I think I still have that moment every day where I look at things and think, wow, this is beautiful. It doesn't change for me, so. Yeah. There is a lot of that, and the fact that it's been around for 2,000 years or whatever in America. If it's more than 200 years, it's old, so that's amazing mm -hmm. that it's 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. But uh, anything that you would like to end with? Kind of a any words of wisdom to the listeners <laughs> out there, or uh, or no, it's up to you. Any words I'm of I'm putting wisdom. you on the spot. Try to feel pleasure in everything you do, because in only pleasure you can stay completely present. If you're not connected to pleasure, you're connected to other things. But when you drink a beer, when you eat something, mm -hmm. when you talk to somebody, find the pleasure in it and nothing will take you more on the wisdom path than that that's very well put mm -hmm. that's that's a great way to end we'll end on that note thanks for listening guys you've been listening to reaganomics with blaze reagan